Welcome to Parent to Parent, real-life tips to raise resilient kids. A podcast from Communities That Care of Greater Downingtown. This is Chrissy Jambowski, and I have two young kids. And I'm Beth Ann Sinelli, and I have two adult kids. Together, we'll meet with experts and fellow parents to share personal stories and provide support and actionable steps to strengthen your family and raise healthy kids. We're glad you're here. Let's get started. Welcome to Parent to Parent. This is Chrissy. And this is Beth Ann. And today we have Selena Moresi from Karen Treatment Centers back with us again for our podcast. And in this podcast, we're going to talk about vaping since this is obviously continues to be um, a growing problem that we continue to read about in the press and we're hearing about it in our schools and our communities. And because there's just so much information to cover on the topic of vaping, we are going to do this podcast a little differently. It's going to be a two-part series. So we're going to be asking you to remember to come back for part two of the vaping conversation in two weeks. So Selena, thank you. Welcome back to our Parent to Parent podcast. We're happy you're joining us again. Thank you. Good to be back. Um, so vaping, as Bethany was saying, still is very much a thing. And many of you listeners maybe are saying, oh, yes, it's a thing. Um, so just for some stats that I put together in researching this, looking nationally at the most recent 2022 National Youth Tobacco Survey, this survey found that more than one in four kids in middle and high school have vaped in the last month. And the most common device they use is a disposable device and 85 percent of users are using flavored vapes. Um, locally to us here in Downingtown, um, specifically in the Downingtown Area School District, the most recent PAYS or Pennsylvania Youth Survey data that was from 2021 um, showed that for us, 11% of 10th graders and 23% of 12th graders have vaped in the last 30 days. So at least for among you know older high school or seniors, that does align pretty evenly with what we're seeing nationally. Um, but then of those students that reported vaping in the last year, so this was a different question. So students that said, I've used this one time at least in the past year, 37% of 10th graders, 50% of 12th graders vaped THC, which is the um, active ingredient in marijuana, and even more reported vaping nicotine, which I thought was interesting, including 50% of 8th graders, 77% of 10th graders, and 70% of 12th graders. So... Looking at these numbers, we know kids are vaping overall technically less in comparison to other pays, you know, data. So it is declining overall. However, we're seeing marijuana have a more of a presence, which we'll get to and talk about. Um, but it is still also a very common substance of use. So for these episodes in this series, we wanted to structure it as a myth fact setup so listeners can get direct information about vaping and also dispel common misconceptions that might exist. So the first myth that I want to share with us is relating back to these stats we just shared. And so, Selena, for our first myth or fact, are flavored e-cigarettes or vapes just harmless water vapor and may not contain nicotine? Sure. So it's definitely a myth. Um, and what we find, too, is that, you know, 99% of all vapes that are sold in stores do contain nicotine. And what we know 
about, and we'll get into this further, I'm sure, in some of the future myth and facts, that exposure to nicotine um, to an adolescent developing brain can have really negative effects. Um, we know that vaping is actually an aerosol process. Mm-hmm. So we call it vaping. We probably should call it aeros- aerosoling, but nobody's going to change the way it is. But aerosol ha- contains chemicals. It's not just, um, when we talk about vaping, it sort of implies a water vapor. It, it sounds harmless, right? Uh-huh. Um if aerosol is different, it's like a it's like a, a hairspray can, you know, and that mm. it, it, with it, it contains all those chemicals that when someone's inhaling, they're lining their mouth, their 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 throat, their lungs, with these chemicals, and even short term use of of this aerosol product or vaping mm-hmm. product has been shown to sh- uh, have increased. Uh, effects of coughing, wheezing, and shortness of breath on on um, the adolescents that are using it. So, it is certainly not harmless water vapor. Um, and we know that long term use can increase chances of exposure to carcinogens, which we know that you know exposure mm-hmm. to carcinogens over a period of time can increase cancer. So, mm-hmm. so it is like the same effects as like a traditional tobacco cigarette: coughing, wheezing, lung irritation. Yeah. Yeah, so we definitely some of we see some of the same side effects, um, same lung irritation, um, same issues. Yeah, because it's interesting. Yeah. You don't see people smoking cigarettes hardly ever no. anymore. Uh, all hey, all ages. It's, just, it's quite rare. Uh, right. Yeah. I was just going to say that although something about Pennsylvania, and I wish I could, I should have looked this up, did have a, there was something about uh, tobacco use, cigarette smoking was still, I thought when they were looking at it, national trends was still high. Like it really like surprised me. It was very recent, something that I just saw in the last couple of weeks. And I, again, should have paid better attention. I thought, really? Like Pennsylvania, I feel like it's not that much of a thing. Mm-hmm. At least what I see. Among adults, we still see use for sure. And, yeah. you know, as we know too, among adults who suffer with mental uh, illness, uh, mm. adults who um, suffer with substance use disorder, right. um, tend to tend to use like traditional tobacco products at much higher rates. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and you know, I, I don't know for sure, but maybe there is a correlation yeah. between some of the mental health struggles that we're seeing and yes. it, ah. it's possible. That's a really good point. Yeah, that does make sense. So, you know, this a little bit reminds me of historically. This reminds me of where we were with smokeless tobacco in like the 80s. And I cannot believe I'm like, I actually, this was like part of my dissertation research. So we're talking like the mid 80s here. And smokeless tobacco was very much a thing because it it had this assumption about it that, or this perception that it was safer Mm -hmm. than traditional cigarettes because it wasn't smoked. And you had removed the burning part, the smoking part. And therefore it would be an alternative if you want, you know, to a cigarette. So there was a youth, there was a problem and there was a particular problem in, in, in different communities or different populations. Right. And so I just remember this whole thing and trying to dispel the myths around smokeless tobacco. Now it's still out there, smokeless tobacco. And we were all concerned about the, the bubble gum that looked like smokeless tobacco and the, the, the pouches, pouches. all that kind of stuff that looked like bandits, all that stuff. And you know, I don't see that like, right. I mean, I know it's still out there. I mean, there's still probably communities where smokeless tobacco or, or it's still associated with certain activities, but, um, weird how that was a big thing in the eighties and now we're in this vaping thing. So as you're describing it, Selena, you're saying that, you know, vaping kind of makes it sound less dangerous, but it's an aerosol. And it, as Chrissy said, Oh, so, Hey, it has similar consequences and impact on health, like 
cigarettes. Yeah. But yeah. somehow, whether it's in the youth mind or just, I don't know whose mind, that it's not as bad. As the marketing, the branding and the marketing. And yes. really, really, when you think about traditional cigarettes too, like I think overall we see people, people are historically smoking less cigarettes in general than they ever have of all ages, but especially youth. It's like that message has gone through like, well, we don't, maybe I'll try yeah. vaping, but no, I'm not going to smoke cigarettes. Like we don't do that. Yeah. Like that, that, Weird. you know, through prevention programming and messaging and things has been very successful, but it's interesting. Yeah. It's branding and marketing. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I will not get to my official next question that we have. So the next myth or fact is it takes a long time to get addicted to nicotine products. Yeah, that's a myth. And I think, you know, it's one that some of us are familiar with, but it's the idea too, that I think it's actually alarming how fast adolescents can become addicted to nicotine. Um, You know, there's been studies that have shown that even at low levels of nicotine, nicotine consumption, adolescents can become pretty quickly addicted. There's some research that says that even after one or two days of use, adolescents start to show signs of um, early like addiction yeah so i mean it they're really vulnerable they're they're really susceptible to this so um introducing it to a to a developing brain um really shows very quick increasing chances of of addiction um and also the levels of nicotine that we're seeing in these products are playing a big part in that too so um disposable products like like you refer to christy um have incredibly high levels of nicotine we're talking like some sometimes the equivalent of two packs of cigarettes worth of nicotine so when you have that kind of combination of this like vulnerable adolescent developing brain and the high levels of nicotine we can see addiction develop pretty fast so Selena, with these disposable devices, so now these things are like a loophole type of thing that differ from the Juul, which is was the most popular product that came under fire, had lots of lawsuits. They were forced to then remove their flavoring by FDA yeah. regulation, right? Am I getting this correct? Okay. You're correct. Okay. So, and I'm sure we can find things to link this up in the show notes as well. And I'll link all yeah. the stats that I mentioned at the beginning as well. But, um... But with these disposables now, because they get around it, they do have the flavorings, right? Yep. And yes, instead of pr- other refillable devices where you're putting in pods or refilling like a chamber with the e-nicotine liquid stuff, these yep. disposables are just like a one and done. So they're preloaded, you use it, it tastes like cotton candy or mango or whatever, and then you toss them. So those have, so one of those little disposable things can have up to the equivalent of nicotine of two packs of cigarettes. Right. 40 really? cigarettes. Yeah. 40? And will 40. A, and how long will a kid go through one of these little disposable things? It depends. It depends on, um, you know, their level of use. But what we see is it just progresses up. So they might do it occasionally, um, maybe once or twice a day. And it, it can it can last if that's how, if you're using it infrequently, but if you're, as, as you continue to use, get exposed to the high levels of nicotine, your use increases. So they go through these disposables much faster um, as they continue to use. So um, obviously their nicotine levels are increasing as they increase their use. So like there's some kids that might go through one disposable a day, which is the equivalent of, of smoking 40 cigarettes a day, nicotine wise. 
That's a high user, but yeah, I mean, it's possible. And and that's a lot of nicotine in one shot or they're sharing with their friends sometimes, um, you know, and they're, they're going through, um, you know, I, I don't see that as often. Normally it takes a couple days for somebody to get, um, but you know, yeah. I mean, when we're talking about high kids that are really heavily addicted, yeah, they go through those disposables pretty quickly. Well, Cause it's really hard to gauge how much you're using, I guess, if it's this pre-filled thing, it's yeah. not the same as a person. Right. So say a person was a smoker, right? And so they were like, okay, I regularly have 10 cigarettes a day and I'm going to try to cut down, you know, by one a day over the span of how many weeks say they're trying to quit. Yeah. Right. So you, and then you could say, my goal is to only have one cigarette a day and then eventually quit altogether. But with these disposables, it's like, I I imagine it doesn't say on the label when you buy it should last two to three days or, or 100 to 200 puffs or something like. Discretion. Yeah. Yeah. And they're getting through it, you know, the ease of use, how easy it is to use, how right. easy it is to, to hide the, mm. you know, it, it's just increasing how much they're using because it is, you know, with a cigarette, a traditional cigarette, you smell yeah. that. You right. know that that's possible. oh right right you know, right right. It's much easier to use, and and you don't have to put it out. And you don't have to find a lighter. I mean, it, and it's small. It's discreet. Yeah, all of those factors contribute to how easy it is to use and how much people are using. Wow. So how did that? What is the actual loophole with that? Is that because it's disposable and not a reusable? Yeah. And they didn't think about that. Is that just a my, a regulation that was like, oh hey. Nobody was smart enough to think about that. My understanding is that they, it, it really is about verbiage. I mean, I, I, you know, again, somebody can probably speak to this a little bit more than no, I, I just was curious about yeah. the, how that loophole ever. Yeah. And hey, let me ask another, just another follow up question to Christy's question about the devices itself. So obviously purchasing these things. So I'm going to assume that, you know, whether it's any of the little whatever gas station places or fast food kind of places that, you know, I don't know if sheets and Wawa's and all of those places, right. Um, it's going to have the same, where are kids getting these things? I mean, if we've got the same regulations for, you know, age, birthday, and mm-hmm. all of that, what's happening here? So they're getting it at stores. They're getting it from like older siblings, fra- older friends that are able to purchase, um, you know, classmates. Um, but yeah, they are finding ways to get it. It, it does not seem to be a struggle for them. Um, you know, most of most of the uh, students that I'm working with um, have a, a access to it, and it's not. But the age to purchase legally is 21, correct? Yes, that is correct. 21. Hey, can I just ask another quick follow-up question? Because I was visiting a friend in central Pennsylvania a couple of weeks ago, and um, um, she works, she helps out, I guess she's not volunteers, but works with the FDA, now retired. And um, one of the things she does is what we used to call, you know, like the old school sting operations, where basically she has a group of students Uh who are part of their community, you know, their community groups and stuff, tobacco-free community groups. And um, they they go, you know, she had um, 15 locations that they were going back to and uh, she was sharing with me just the the rate at which they're finding these products being sold uh, you know any nicotine products to underage kids so when Chrissy asked you the age it just reminded me of this conversation and one of the things that she was sharing is that she was on her way the next day to um, you know a, a little whatever gas station kind of fast food place that would have already has done this twice has been um two times and I didn't realize that third I guess the third time they're shut down like you 
they the FDA comes in and you were no longer in business. Oh. And so they've had two violations and with warnings and all of the things that yep. you would normally provide to the owner that you know of, of the business that you can't do this. And so much so she was even sharing that, you know, he would say things, you know, just like to the kids, like maybe not, maybe recognize. Because when they ask the kids, how old are you? They tell them, Mm -hmm. I'm 17. But still saying, well, okay, just this one time you can. So, you know, I mean, it's that kind of a thing going on. So I I just don't know if we do that. Like, I totally forgot. I remember when we used to do this so long ago in, you know, tobacco-free communities. And I thought, oh, my goodness, is that still a thing? But I'm guessing if kids are accessing it under the age of 21, not everybody's 21 who's buying or getting these products at places. So just it was one of those really weird moments that it kind of brought back what we used to do with tobacco cigarettes. Uh-huh. Oh, oh I, when I went to high school, yeah, there was one store that you knew that everyone yeah. knew you could buy cigarettes under 18 and everyone mm-hmm. would go there right after school. <laughs> <laughs> we were all and there. they would just ask you, are you 18? And you go, uh-huh. And then uh-huh. they're like, cool, bye. Never had to show ID, never had to. Sh- it was like just this one like deli that also sold. Yeah, other, yeah. it's always a deli. It's always it's always a deli. A de- this is a deli too. It's always a deli. Yeah, I don't think they ever got shut down. Their names shall <laughs> no. remain anonymous. Their but, names shall all remain anonymous in this conversation. But it was but a I thing. Just, it just... Yeah. Okay. So the access to me is always a thing. I, I, I'm always so curious. Yeah. 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 Well, so Selena, all of this talk about nicotine still like two packs of cigarettes and one disposable vape. It's all blowing my mind. So I want to ask you a couple more questions, a couple more facts about nicotine. uh, After we take a quick break, we'll be right back. Chrissy, is that you? (gasps) Cheryl. Oh my gosh. How are you? Good. I was just thinking about you. I've been missing the days when we used to hang out with the kids. Ugh, I miss those days too. Parenting isn't getting any easier. I wish I could connect with other parents like I used to. Have you heard that our CTC parent to parent peer support groups are ready to start? They are? Tell me more. Well, CTC already does a lot for parents and youth in the Downingtown community. Now they're starting parent support groups. Would you like to come with me? There's a new topic each month, and it will be a relaxed and casual conversation guided by a parenting professional. I'm expecting it to be much better than searching on Google for an hour. Oh, you do that too? Yes, I'd love to join you. Fantastic. I'll text you the link, but it's easy to remember. It's dtownctc.org. Then click the Parent to Parent tab and choose Peer Support Groups. Listen, I gotta run, but let's definitely plan to go together to the next session. That sounds great. I'm so glad I saw you today. I'll look for your text for the info about the parent to parent peer support group. All right, we are back, and our next myth or fact is again honing in on nicotine. So, Selena, is this a myth or a fact? Nicotine negatively affects adolescent brain development, including long lasting effects on working memory attention and could increase depression this is very much a fact um when we think about adolescents you know their prefrontal cortex sorry prefrontal cortex um is really still growing right it's the executive functioning uh it, it helps with attention and performance and and you know impulse control you know all the fun stuff right um, it's still maturing. So nicotine, when you add nicotine to that process, the growing process, that actually increases the risk of developing 
mental health issues, cognitive impairment. Um, studies show, like there's rodent studies in adolescent rodents. You know, I found this, I just thought it was interesting that there's actually molecule changes. There is brain changes that occur when you add nicotine to the prefrontal cortex. Um, it changes the functioning of the synapses and has lasting effects on cognitive function. So what we find is it actually changes adolescent brains permanently when you oh. add nicotine and the more nicotine that you add the um the more the effect on the prefrontal cortex so um you know it really is having a lasting effect on attention on memory on mental health um even increasing um, chances of substance use disorder later in life yeah you don't think of like memory and attention necessarily is there is it something about how because is it, is it something to do with like the half-life of nicotine in your body? Like you start how quickly you have to keep, because when you're a nicotine user, you have to keep using it pretty frequently in order to maintain kind of your, whatever your baseline, which ends up becoming higher yeah. and higher, higher as your tolerance builds, right? Yeah, that's certainly a component. I mean, people start to go with through withdrawal of nicotine within 30 minutes of the last time they used so oh. it's fast. And one of the, um, one of the bigger, there's a couple withdrawal symptoms, but one of them is, you know, it's hard to focus. It's hard to focus on what's in front of you. It's hard to sit in a classroom and yeah. what you're learning. Right. Um, yeah. Withdrawal is, it could definitely be a component in that process too. Oh my gosh. This is what we need. One more thing to help us decrease yeah. our, our ability to concentrate and not be distracted <laughs> as we're in the world of tech and screens where we're constantly our tensions being pulled. And like, that's, ju that's just what it makes me think of. It's just like, we're living in such a time of distraction as it is without adding in yet one more thing. Yeah. Your thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, the next question, myth or fact, Selena is no matter what age you are, when you start, you have the same chance of becoming addicted to nicotine. So this is really a myth. Um, you know, the younger a person starts, the more likely they are to become addicted. Um, there's a real vulnerability that's actually, um, when you're younger, um, when you're talking about the rewarding effects of nicotine, you know, that really speaks to that, that developing brain. Um, so what we find is that when you look at addiction in general, mm -hmm. it's actually a learning process. And uh, when you introduce a substance into that into that growing brain, dopamine's increased, right? And the brain associates that dopamine boost with the substance that you've you've now paired it with. Um, so that is a learning process. The, the brain now knows has learned that when I when I vape, I get a dopamine kick, and it's a pretty significant dopamine kick. Mm -hmm. So the brain, not really judging the effects of it, will potentially seek that out again. And that's and the, and the adolescent brain has now learned that that is a way to increase dopamine. Mm -hmm. uh, so that process is even stronger for a young person. And the younger they start, um, the more chances your brain has to learn um, that this is something that can increase dopamine. And and this is something that potentially, uh, potentially it seeks out again. And for those of so you that don't, this is oh. why, oh, well, I was just, you know, when I'm thinking about this and Chrissy, we've had this conversation about introducing the undeveloped brain to alcohol, mm -hmm. to, you know, cannabis, to nicotine. We just, I mean, I, we've had millions, not millions, but we've had a number of podcasts and millions of conversations on this very thing. And yet when we, when you think about, this is what's so illogical to me is here we are, you know, with kids in a school setting, 
you know, we're primarily concerned about their, their learning, their, their academics, their ability to be successful. And yet, I don't believe we intentionally ignore, but we're not really paying great attention to these very behaviors like vaping that are negatively impacting what our goals are Mm -hmm. for our kids and to, I don't think I want to say not take it seriously because I think that, I think that that schools want to take this seriously, Mm -hmm. but I feel there's just this like drag on inactivity, like on their action to do something. And, you know, even as parents, you know, wanting to sort of say, no, you know, this is, this is setting you up like you are permanently in some way damaging, altering your brain, all, you know, impacting your future, all of these things. Mm-hmm. And so the sense of urgency for me is rather great, mm-hmm. both as a parent, public health person and, you know, so as a teacher. Mm-hmm. But I, I just don't feel like that's everybody's sense Yes. of urgency. Agreed. And it, I know the fix is never easy, but we do have things that we could be doing now to prevent yeah. this. Um, you know, I'm looking at what Chrissy said, were the statistics in the opening of this podcast, you know, and we're looking at, you know, usage, um, you know, at 10th graders, but we know these behaviors and, and we don't, I don't guess Chrissy, we don't really have anything on here about middle school. Just like the eighth graders um, that are va- vaping the in the past year. I mean, and the national yeah. data is clumps together, it's, middle schoolers and high schoolers. And high schoolers. Yeah. So I, I just, I mean, that, that to me is enough to drive me to want to take like action. Yeah. To say that. And yeah. I'm not sure if it's that folks don't know. I, I, I want to believe, though, that people do know. I think I it's in wonder. Oh, go sorry. Ahead. No, go ahead, I, Selena. I often wonder. So like when we do parent education, one of the things that we really focus on is like, this is not your nicotine. This is not your THC. Yes. THC. Yes. Yeah, it's just not the same. We're, we're talking about these high levels of nicotine in these products. And, you know, we, we'll, I'm sure we've spoken before. And we'll, we'll speak again about the high levels of THC. In, yeah. in the current products, it's not, it's like supersized. Mm-hmm. It's not the same oh, system. Yeah. So when we're talking about the impact on the prefrontal cortex, when we're talking about the impact on behavior and mental health, you know, um, we're talking about a different substance mm-hmm. than it was when we were like, you know, when we were going to the deli to get yes. cigarettes, yeah, right. not that that was good. It was not, <laughs> good. But not, it, that that was not good. the same substance. Well, you so, also can't sit there and chain smoke 40 cigarettes over the course of a day day like you just really or, or even two that. days like you really you can't the way that you're ingesting it physically it's very hard to yeah. consume as much nicotine through a traditional combustible light on fire cigarette than yeah. it is by a battery operated yeah. vape whether that is a jewel or these disposable things like you just physically can't do it and also mm-hmm. when you think about it environmentally where can people that use cigarettes use cigarettes? Not many places. You can't inside. You can't in restaurants. You can't in stores. You can't indoors anywhere. It's very, you know, through right. the Clean Indoor Air Act and all of these, you know, policies and laws put in place. Whereas vaping, right, is very accessible. And so, you know, it's one of those things where that piece, so then you're even more likely to be able to use the product. Kids, if they're choosing to use, right, are more likely yeah. able to use the product and then, or not more likely, it's easier. Like a lot of those barriers have been removed to use. So, and then it's also not even just like 
quote unquote regular nicotine, right? It's like super sized, super efficient to get into your brain, to hook you and get you dependent very quickly. But I think the interesting thing about the end, what I wanted to say what you were saying about school and learning and how substance use is so related to this is that I think it's one of those things where, you know, I don't know that everyone thinks of like, I, I wonder if many people, parents, school folks, general population equate, well, if kids are going to use drug and alcohol, that's not happening in school. It's happening on the weekends or after school. It's like places and spaces kind of. And it's like, these are fun time, quote unquote, party things or something, right? So not really realizing the impact, right? of these chemicals and also the vulnerability of these developing brains to develop this dependency so quickly, especially when we're t- yeah. talking about nicotine, right? And how that could be carried into your day when maybe you aren't able to use these products, right? But yet a child might be sitting in class distracted, right? And that's the definition, yeah. right? Of dependency and substance use disorder sure. is- that thing becomes the love of your life and it's all you can focus on. So you're not really going to be able to sit there and do your AP calculus or write your paper or your notes, right? Because you're fixated on this other thing that even though it's, that's not the place where it belongs or where you might be using it regularly, it's going to infiltrate if that makes sense. So I, I I think that might be a a breakdown of looking at this like holistically. Um, I wonder if that might be a piece to this. I don't know. Yeah. And to your numbers too. So like looking at these, these kind of numbers, it's affecting all kids. It's affecting the kids in AP. It's affecting everyone. Um, You know, so it's, it's, I think it's harder to address and harder for even some of us to understand because there was always, you know, not to try to stereotype, but when I was growing up in high school, there was always those kids, that group of kids. And I knew that they were using THC and that was them. It wasn't everybody. Yeah. Now it's everybody. I mean, not to say that everyone's using it, but it's all kind, it's all groups, it's all social groups. Oh yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's a harder thing to address too. That's true. Okay, our last myth or fact for this part one episode is Selena. Mm. Using nicotine products relieves stress. Uh, if I could scream myth, I would, because <laughs> this, this is something that, you know, when I'm in my groups, when I'm presenting, this is always, always, always coming up, but it helps relieve stress, right? And it does not, um, you know, so many people believe this, but, you know, when our bodies become dependent on nicotine, and like we just talked about, that can actually happen pretty fast, right? When our bodies become dependent on nicotine, um, there's a half-life. It, nicotine, an from the mail. nicotine leaves our system um, pretty quickly. So within 30 minutes of the last time I used nicotine, it's going to leave my system and I'm going to start to experience withdrawal. And withdrawal symptoms look like a lot of things, but withdrawal symptoms, one of the key ones is stress, tension, anxiety, and it just keeps increasing. So what happens is somebody starts to experience a level of stress or tension. They vape and they think hey, I was stressed out and now I'm not. They do not make the connection that it was the withdrawal symptoms that were causing the stress in the first place. So there's an, there's an assumption, there's a jump that's made where yes, in fact, it feels like it's reducing stress, but it's actually the one, that's actually the key thing that's causing it in that moment. And the only way to make it go away is, is to vape. So if that makes sense, that's, it, it it's, 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 it, you can see when I'm, when I'm working with students and I'm explaining that, 
they start to light up and go, Oh my goodness. Like they make that connection. When I'm like, observe your behavior, pay attention to what that feeling is as it rises and how it immediately goes down when you vape. And when they start to realize that it's can be pretty powerful so um, when they this, actually, it's just this endless cycle of like yeah. withdraw, stress, use calm, withdraw, mm-hmm. stress, use calm. And that kind of does speak to, you know, what we were saying is like, that's how it looks in the classroom when a kid is, when you're distracted and you can't focus because you're stressed and you're irritable and your body's, you know, physiologically stressed out, which is going to make it very hard to concentrate. Yeah. And they're going to associate that with the experience in the classroom and, and they're all the things that they're not, that's not actually causing it. Right. Yeah, I, it would be interesting to see and what you said this, Selena, they need to observe what that, that, that it is the withdrawal piece, but I, I'm sure not at all. Does that ever cross into their mind that that's what's happening here with that substance at all? So it's a big part of our education is to point that out. It's a powerful tool. It is. Yeah. When you absolutely realize it's the withdrawal that's causing that stress and then you're tamping it back down again, but only for a short period of time, because as Chrissy said, it will resurface and the cycle will continue. But, you know, again, all the substance we've talked about on this podcast, cannabis use, mm-hmm. alcohol use. Yep. It's Oh, I feel I'm, I'm less stressed. Uh-huh. I sleep better. Yep. I whatever, mm-hmm. whatever they're at, whatever that verbiage is that I do better because I drink, smoke, vape or whatever it is. Um, it's that perception and you just like sort of trained your body and it's like, and so you see it as a coping mechanism. Yes. It's yeah. a stress management tool for you that works. Yeah. 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 At what cost? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I think we, for this very first episode, we have completed our myth facts section. Yep. So in our next episode, now we're going to continue talking about vaping, but we're going to focus on vaping and other substances and how vaping can be linked to using other drugs. So vaping THC or marijuana, as well as using hookahs and other smokeless tobacco products. So we will be back with you in two weeks for episode 32 and Selena will continue to enlighten us on all things vaping in 2023. And we hope that you will come back to hear the second part of the podcast series. That'll be good. So thank you everyone for joining us today. You will find information and links to everything we talked about in the show notes, including links to my Instagram and Facebook to see more info related to the podcast resources and our parent blog. So be sure to click subscribe or follow in your podcast app so you can stay up to date on our latest episodes. And if you are liking our podcast, we would love it if you would share it with a friend or give us a review on Apple podcast. So we will talk to you in two weeks for part two. Thanks. Bye.